to 2 Thessalonians. Man, oh man, oh man. You know what everybody needs? Need some joy, man. You just need joy. That's all you need. Joy will get you through everything. Without joy, you're in trouble. We do so much stuff without joy anymore, we forget, we forget that that's what we need. And that's what is, is our, our life. Second Thessalonians chapter, no, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. It's First Thessalonians, my bust. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17. Amen. If you would stand real quick, we'll read the word of God, and then we'll have a seat. But we, brethren, being taken from you, for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavoring the more uh, abundantly to see your face with great desire. Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Thank you for letting us come to church. Lord, thank you for a church to come to, Lord. And Father, I just pray now that you'd uh, bless the service tonight. Uh, Lord, help us to get these stupid cell phones out of the way, too. And it's a potential spam. What a waste of time. Lord, bless the service tonight, and uh, Lord, help us to uh, just remember that Satan is always trying to hinder us in doing something. Let, let not that destroy our joy. Uh, Lord, our joy is, is what keeps us going. Our joy is what makes us happy. Lord, our joy is what makes you happy. Lord, uh, help us to keep our joy in you. And bless us tonight, Father, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Stinking cell phones, man. I'm telling you, this stuff is of the devil. Uh, if it isn't Jerry's, it's mine. <laughs> I had to get Jerry in there somehow, man. Otherwise, otherwise he'd feel like he wasn't loved. <laughs> Anyways, uh, right there, Paul, Paul's talking there in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He, he's sitting there talking about the Thessalonians, and he's, he basically he goes, but we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time. He's physically removed, but he's not, he hadn't forgot. He never has forgot his, his converts. Now, you know what, what you need in life today? I'll tell you, man, you need some converts. You need some people that you, you know about, you think about uh, regularly, that, that is, the Lord puts on your heart that, that you went out and did some effort to and work. It's like raising a family or raising kids. Uh, you got to go out and get them. If you don't go out and get them, you never will. But they, he's physically removed from these people. And he says, uh, for a short time in presence, not in heart. He goes, my heart is with you. Uh, brother, you know, our problem in life is we get so, this world gets you so self-centered that it's all about you and about me. And I got to make this bill and I got to make that payment. I got to have this. I got to have that. And pretty soon it becomes you. And it's not about the, the converts out there. I think we're, we're working on a camp up there. And uh, I, it is, it's a church of God camp. You say, why in the world are you working on Because there's some kids that could possibly come to that that you might have an effect on. And just because we're not using it one week and somebody else, you never can tell. People get saved, you know. Amen. <laughs> people do stuff sometimes that they don't even know what they're doing. And other people get saved out of it. You know what you do? You do it for the right heart. You do it because you, you enjoy doing something for God. And God opens the door. You do something. Uh, Paul is sitting here and says, not in heart, endeavoring. He's earnestly striving to return to these people. We know what we need to do. We need to get our mind fixed around Jesus Christ, nothing else. For what is our hope? What is your hope tonight? You know what, you know what your hope should be? 
is Jesus Christ. But, but somebody's going to come and ask you what the hope is in, within you. What's you going to heaven? You know what they need to do is see a smile on your face. I had somebody call me. Actually, it was kind of funny. I was selling a laptop, and I had it on Facebook, and I get this call or this, this texting back and forth. The only thing I do is go on Marketplace. Uh, everything else I just can't even handle. But, uh, so this kid starts, or this young man starts texting me back, and I don't pay no attention to the name. And Beth goes, that's my nephew. He hates me. He hates me. And, but he doesn't know it's me, and I didn't know it was him. And uh, I said, well, Beth, I said, send a note back to him and, and just tell him. And, and I was going to cut him a really good deal. And uh, he said, I'd rather burn the money than give it to him. And I'm thinking, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And Beth said, don't send nothing back. I said, no, no. I said, I sent a note back. And a soft answer turneth away wrath. And I sent a note back and said, look, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. Uh, I said, we've never thought of you like what you just said. You think of us, and that's fine. I said, but if you ever need anything, I said, we're here for you always. And, and he sent me back another nasty note. So I sent him back another note saying, look, I can't even remember me and you ever having a conversation, so I don't know why you would be so mad at me, but I'm used to talking to somebody face-to-face if i got a problem. I said, so if you have an issue and you want to talk, we'll talk. I said, I, I never realized I made you feel that way, and if I did, I really am sorry. I said, but again, as I said before, if you ever need anything, I said, we're here to help you. And he hasn't sent anything back. You know, sometimes you have to stop. I, people will try to steal your joy. This stupid phone, man, just going off right there in the middle of a prayer will try to steal your joy. It'll try to stop you from thinking about somebody else. Well, you've got to learn how to think about somebody else and not yourself. Uh, you, know, you know, we go out there and we fight with people. There is no fight. We shouldn't even be fighting. I don't know, I like, go over, go over to uh, Second Thess- or, uh, Titus, Titus, a couple pages over, just a couple pages. Titus, Titus chapter 3. This is some of the greatest verses in your Bible, man. Right back in here, 1st, 2nd Timothy, 1st, 2nd Thessalonians, 1st, 2nd Titus, 1st, 2nd Titus, you know, 1st, 2nd Titus. It sounds good, though. <laughs> Maybe we could add another book in there. <laughs> this is verse 8. This is a faithful saying. Paul you know, Paul had his whole life, he had joy. All the stuff he went through, he kept his joy. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, constantly. Never get tired of your book. Never get tired of hearing the word of God. Never get tired of listening to what this thing says. No matter how many times you hear it over and over again, never get tired. Constantly affirm that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. You should have some good works. You should have something that you're doing for the Lord Jesus Christ and not yourself. These things are good and profitable unto men. Why? Because it keeps your heart and your mind right where it needs to be. Otherwise, you'll let it slide off. But avoid foolish questions. You know what I'm sick of is fighting amongst the brethren. Well, man, we fight and fight and fight and fight. And to what purpose is that? All it does is it just causes contention. But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they unprofitable in vain. You know what lost people do or other people around will hear that kind of stuff? And, and it'll discourage them. Uh, you shouldn't do that. Knowing verse uh, a man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition, reject, man. Just walk away from. You don't have to fight with somebody to, to spread the gospel. You don't have to. Just the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than to his sword. It is capable of doing the work for you. What we need to do is get it out there, man. Just get it out. I like street preachers. Street preachers is great, man, because you can sit there and say, the Bible says you don't have to add nothing to it. 
It's appointed. On, I, I, I tell everybody, I say, they say, well, I, I don't know how to street preach. Ah, you know John 3.16? Everybody knows John 3.16. The car's going to go by. For God so loved. For God so loved. For God so loved. That's all you have to do. If you could just get three or four words out, you could do it. You don't have to. You know what? After a while, you'll start adding to it. I like street preaching, man. It, it actually is exhilarating. We got to get back into it this year. The last couple of years, we hadn't got into it very well. But we need to get back into some stuff. Brother, we need to get back into going out and winning souls. We need to go back out there and start talking to them, man, and get them. I mean, they'll, they may or may not listen, but who cares? It's not up to me. That's not up to me. That's up to the Lord. The Lord got you sometime. He, somehow he got me somehow. I don't know how he did it, but he did. Uh, but he was physically removed, spiritually reminded that they were there, earnestly just striving to get back. He, the purpose is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. Never forget what your purpose is. 1 Corinthians. We've got to look at a couple things here real quick. 1 Corinthians 3. Why would he sit there and, and start telling? He said, you are for you, for what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Verse 20 says, for ye are our glory and joy. Brother, i tell you what, you know what will make you happy? It's souls. It is fruit in your basket. Uh, I saw him to Brother Spurgeon, and he's here tonight. Y'all shake his hand when you, before he gets out tonight. But uh, we were talking about an old friend of mine, and he knows him, uh, Eugene Rodriguez. I've seen him on Facebook, but I haven't went over to, to, to uh, friend him or whatever you do over there. But I have seen him, and I've been thinking about trying to get a hold of him. But me and Eugene used to have a room, a, a trailer, before me and Beth got married. And, and I had to kick Eugene out, put him on the streets. Man, I really felt bad about that, but not real bad. Uh, I got a better deal. I got Beth. Uh, she's cuter, always was cuter than he was. Uh, <laughs> but, but Eugene, yeah, you know, brother, he's not. Uh, but, uh, but Eugene, I come home one night, man, and, and uh, I stole his joy. And you say, how'd you do that? I come home, and, and his eyeballs, I, we pulled into port early, and his eyeballs got about this big when I walked through the front door. And he didn't think I was going to be home for a day or two. And I'm like, Eugene, what's wrong? He goes, oh, no, 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 oh, ah, yeah. I'm like, Eugene, what is wrong with you, man? And uh, what he did is he always preached about TVs. And uh, while I was gone, he went out and got him a TV and stuck it in his room. And he was back there watching this little one-eyed monster, which is okay. I don't care if you want to watch TV. It didn't bother me one bit. But it definitely bothered him. And his joy was, was being destroyed by me walking in the door but, brother, I'm telling you what, that stuff in this world should never attack your joy. You should not let something you do bother your joy. Your joy should be something that uh, you want to do. What is your purpose? The title of this message is, For What Reason? What's your motivation? Why do you want to serve Jesus Christ? Is it to somebody see you do something? 1 Corinthians. I'll tell you, brother, there's some things that when you get in your Bible and you start reading that thing. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. Real quick. Further foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So you shouldn't lay it on anything else. The foundation should be solid as it could be. Just solid as it, it should be solid in your life. Uh, until you get it solid in your life, you could really not help anybody else. Uh, we're so superficial in this world today about what we do. Uh, we don't have, we're not rooted and grounded ourselves. How in the world can we possibly help anybody else that's not rooted and grounded? we got to get rooted and grounded first. So he says right here, Paul's talking, same man who wrote over in 1 Thessalonians, uh, for other foundation can no man lay, then that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You can't build upon anything other than Jesus. So why in the world would we fight about some of the stupidest stuff? Where did Adam get his wife? Or where did Cain get his wife? Who cares? Who cares how many people really died before Noah's flood? Who cares? I'm, I'm, I'm 4,000, 4, 6,000 years from that. You know what I care about today? 
is I, I tell you what, I let two people get out of my class today, and I had an opportunity to give them a gospel track, and they were right in front of my face, and I had dealings with them, and I didn't do it. Then I blamed Beth on one of them because she was with me, and she didn't do it either. So I, then I just kind of shifted it off onto her. I said, why didn't you do that? She goes, well, I was waiting on you. <laughs> I was like, then I told her a story. Brother Barry told me a story the other day about Brother Hines. said that Brother Hines and, and uh, another man was out street preaching, and you don't mind me telling the story, do you? Okay. <laughs> Yeah, same exact thing, man. I told Beth, I said, see, you lost the blessing, man. I said, Brother Hines had an opportunity to witness somebody, and he didn't because he had whatever reason uh, in McDonald's. I think it was the, 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 the coffee. He had a coffee. And, uh, but the guy behind him didn't, didn't, didn't miss a beat, man. He went over and led the guy to the Lord. Brother Hines, well, I guess he got some credit out of it. He brought him in the, in the McDonald's. But in any case, you know, you sometimes I told Beth, I said, why didn't you hand him a track? The guy, by the time in my mind he got out of my house, before I could think about it, he was pulling out the driveway. And I run out there to give him the track, but he's already gone. I'm like, what a wasted opportunity, man. I had an opportunity to witness to a guy and tell him about Jesus Christ. And you know what I did? He came to buy a PC from me, and then that's all he wanted was to come and go. But I could have still got a gospel track in his hand. Why would that matter? Well, because that man needs Jesus Christ. That's what they need today. They don't need, they don't need Trump in office, and they don't need Biden in office. They don't need none of the rest of the stuff going on. Politics are crazy, man. If you listen to any of that stuff very long, you know what you do? You get depressed. Uh, you want to go out and shoot, shoot yourself or somebody else, man. That thing is crazy. But uh, he says, try to go, keep going there. Verse 12, he says, now if any man build upon this foundation, which that's what we're supposed to do, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, Every man's work shall be made manifest for the days. One of these days, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. And he's going to look at us. And, and I'm telling you what, oh, go over to, go over to uh, first, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5. Keep that one in mind right there. You're going to be standing before him. This ought to, now, you say, what does this have to do with joy? I'll show you in just a second. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. Starts out, in so much, uh, well, eight, eight, six don't sound right. Five, six. Man, am I in the right place? Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians five. I'm in six, man. What is my problem tonight? All right, six, five, six. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. That's the same thing Paul said when he was over there with his, away from his friends. He said, we're here, we're absent from the Lord. That's where we want to be. We, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. That's where our hope comes in. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body, which is true, and to be present with the Lord, but you're not. Wherefore, we labor. So you got to find a way to keep yourself busy and keep yourself happy while you're doing it. Brethren, we're getting ready to go into camp time where we, this little church gets, does all the work for the camp and gets it all ready to go so, so churches can come all over the place and bring their kids and our ladies cook, and it's going to wear some of y'all out, man. And there's some kids coming in. You know what they need to hear about is Jesus. You know when they come to the, the, the chow line to get chow, they need to see y'all smiling. Don't just take your thing and go, plop, plop, get out of here. Can I have seconds? No, you can't have seconds. <laughs> Figure out a way to have a smile. No, you can't have seconds. Do something with a smile on your face. Why? Because... We get an opportunity, you have an opportunity, individually, we have an opportunity to do something for Jesus Christ, and it needs to be with joy. It needs to be with happiness in our hearts, man. Somewhere we got to keep this thing smiling. We can't let this thing wear us out. You know, life will wear you out. 
I heard a guy the other day say that if most people that's been in the ministry for 15, 20 years quit. And they never finish. They never finish their course. They never get to the end. Very few, he said, very few people, he said, if you're 45, 50 years old and you've been doing this for 20, 30 years, the chances are you're not going to finish to the end. You're going to quit. You go into a lot of our bigger churches and the older people are sitting in the pews doing absolutely nothing. Those are the people that should be leading the thing. And it shouldn't be the young people out there doing it. You know, the young people, I love all of y'all. Y'all are cool, man. I'm glad y'all are here. But theoretically, y'all know nothing. Okay? Somewhere along the line, we're supposed to impart what we know to you so that one day y'all will know something, and then you can impart it on to the next generation. But what happens is our, our people are going away, and they're just sitting. Our churches are dying one right after the other, and they're missing the joy. The joy is in winning souls. I'm telling you, it's... it's you got to have, do- oh, man, well, let me get, I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself. Terror, that's just terror, man. Go back here where, uh, where we're at. We are confident, verse 8, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. So the, the key here is I want to please him. I, I, we do what we do not because I want somebody else to see me do it. I do what I do for him and no other reason or else I'm doing it for the wrong reasons. Uh, He goes, verse 10, he goes, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so I've heard people say, well, I'm ready for that. I don't know about that too much. Uh, That everyone may receive the things done in his body. The day I got saved 1980 from right now, if the Lord judged me for the things I've done in the last 44 years, I'd be scared, man, 43 years. He goes on, he says, done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord, <laughs> we persuade men. You got to do that with joy. There is a, I'm telling you, brother, it, it's, it's going to be scary. It's going to be scary. It's going to be, you're going, there ain't nothing you could watch on TV. There is no dawn of the dead, day of the dead, dead of the dead. None of that stuff. No vampire sucking your blood. I remember they talking about brother. Brother Lentz and uh, Dr. Peacock was in Transylvania or somewhere over there overseas, and he had his book on his throat, thinking that the vampires wouldn't get him. I mean, how in the world? First of all, I don't believe in vampires. But there ain't nothing on this planet that's going to scare me as much as that is right there. Knowing, therefore, the terror. There is, you should know that there's going to be a terror of us standing in front of him one day. And, we're, and the question is going to have is, what did you do while you were down there? What did you do? You know, there's some people who say, oh, I did this. I, oh, I chased this guy. I chased this girl. I did this. I did this. I got a brand new this. I got a brand new that. I made millions and trillions of dollars. Okay, so what did you do about souls? What did you do about the souls of men? Did you care about them? Boy, don't you, ever, don't you ever look back at some of these men back there like Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Dwight L. Moody? I mean, do you ever look at some of those guys, what they did when they were young? They run around their whole lives was doing nothing but out trying to get people in church and winning souls. That's what they were about. Uh, 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 John Wesley, Charles Wesley, uh, George Whitfield, that's what they were about. Anymore, we're not about that. We're about everything but that. Our lives, our lives should be centered. Those men, I mean, Peter Cartwright, get out of here, man. I lived in, in uh, Salt, Salt River where that guy rode his horse. I mean, could you imagine the middle of winter? Oh, you can't even get people to shovel the snow out here in the middle of the winter. He used to get on his horse and ride from church to church to church to church. That was the Methodist church. We, we make fun of the Methodists now. 
You couldn't even get a church in the Methodist church until you went out circuit riding for a long, long time and earned it. They'd run you from church, man. You go to this church, you get a, a thing of potatoes. And if you're lucky, you got to the next one, they give you some corn. Man, then you got to have some corn and taters. I don't know why they never gave them no chickens or nothing like that, man. And you never hear that. But they just go from church and they go to preach. And sometimes it's two or three people. And those guys were faithful in doing that stuff constantly. You know why? Because they cared about souls. And you look at the churches today, they're, they're huge because of what these men did. There's a terror. Why did they do that? John Wesley said that it was just inside his heart that he could not get it out, man. He had to go out and do this. He did that as a lost man. And then he ends up getting saved in a church one night. It wasn't a Methodist church, but he still got saved. Knowing, therefore, the terror of the Lord. Do you realize there's going to be a terror one of these days? Man, we're going to get out of here. I'm not telling you, that, that ought to put a joy in here. You said, how could that put joy in my heart? Because it put a fire under your seat to get you out to do something for him. Your mind needs to go, it isn't, oh, let me finish this. <laughs> go over to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy. Man, is, I, I ain't going to go very far in this. I'll get, I'll get a little bit more of it next week. Brethren, we got to get, we got to get our hearts and our minds right where they need to be. You got to be some joy, man. Our family should bring you joy. John and Charles Wesley's dad was always gone out there preaching somewhere. I don't know, I don't know if I want to say that's good or bad, but he was out there and he cared and he produced John and Charles Wesley. Uh, Susanna, uh, his wife, I mean, she raised all those kids, and and if you listen to how she raised those kids. Uh, they, they, she had some of them turn out good. George Whitfield was out there all the time. He preached until he died, pretty much. Uh, I've, and some other preachers today, Dr. Ruckman's done that. I've watched that man. It's an amazing man. I was listening to Brother Donovan preach a message here not too long ago, and he was talking about the privilege it was just to be around Dr. Ruckman while he's dying. To give him back some of the stuff that he gave him. He said, being able to sit there and read the Bible to Dr. Ruckman while he's in a bed and he can't see, and you get to say, I said, man... <laughs> That's where it's at, man. That's where it's at. That's joy. You know, he goes, he goes, that man never regretted anything. You know what a blessing was is to go out on the streets down there, and here's this old guy down there preaching, man. And he'd come into a, a service like this right here where we, uh, on Saturdays, and they'd send everybody out to corners. I'm sure Dr. Ruppman, before, before that, he got to the guy and said, hey, I want this corner. <laughs> and the guy gave him that corner. I, I don't, I'm pretty sure there was some kind of finagling there. Uh, but Doc would sit in the crowd just like everybody else. And the brother would sit up here and say, okay, you go to this corner, you go to that corner, you go to this corner, Doc, you go to that corner, da 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 And you go out there and start street preaching on this corner. You just go where they tell you to go. He said that man never regretted anything he ever did. He said he enjoyed it up to the end. Uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1. 2 Timothy 1. 16. He's talking about the judgment seat of Christ here. And he goes on, and this whole thing is about judgment. You need to keep that in your mind. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he might find mercy of the Lord in that day. Why in the world would you need mercy in that day? You realize one of these days you're going to be standing before that throne and you're going to be looking at Jesus Christ and you're going to need some mercy and grace that day. And it's not over until you get through that judgment seat. It's not going to be over. Not for me anyways. And he's going to say, that scares me. That scares me. Did I do what I could have done while I was down here? In your life, you got a few moments to do something. 
But the question will get back to what is your motive? Not because you're afraid of being here that day. What is your motive? What is your motive in serving Jesus Christ? Is it to get something? Or is it because of what he gave you? I can't get over what he gave me at Calvary. I cannot get over that. I keep, that thing is in my mind all the time, what he did there at that cross at Calvary. I seen him, I remember seeing him on that cross just before I got saved, or maybe right after I got saved, dying for me on that cross, and I can almost see him looking at me, and I understood right then and there, that's what he did for me, and that's what it took to get me into heaven. I've been talking to my mom for 43 years, and she still hasn't got that thing down. Here recently, she started saying, I, I, can't, I don't know how to love like that. I think the Lord is finally turning her heart and her mind to the place where she needs to understand it's not about her, and she missed something her whole life. We don't have to miss it, brethren. We got it. We got that joy. 2 John. Go to 2 John. 2 John. I would say chapter 1, but there's only one chapter. But you definitely wouldn't miss it. Verse 8. 2 John verse 8, he says this, Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Now, I don't know about you, and I still don't understand all that reward stuff. Because when I think about heaven, I'm thinking about streets of gold and everything else up there and, and mansions and all this other stuff, and he's going to give me a If he gave me a little bitty teeny weeny stack of gold and some jewels and everything, I, I, I personally don't know how that when I compare it to everything else, John, what? Somebody say anything? Anybody? Somebody's ever talking. Or maybe it's just in my head. But John, when you sit there and look at it, I'm going to heaven and all this stuff is here, and now he's going to give me some treasures. But he says right here, he says, look to yourselves. That means I need to, I need to be very aware of what I'm doing. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things. You can lose some things. What things? Back to... 1 Thessalonians 2, when he says, For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord? It's your souls, man, your fruit. Brother, I'm going to be in the heaven, and there's going to be some men there and some ladies there that I've had some influence in or had to do some stuff or even got to lead them to the Lord or help them along a little bit in their life. That's going to be my reward. That's my joy. Why? Because I gave it back to him. It has nothing to do with me. I got to be in heaven because of some other men and women that did things in my life. I got a privilege of going to a funeral several years ago of an old lady that if you'd have met her, you'd have never thought much, she was much of a Christian at all. And she got up in age and started losing her mind. Jean, Mrs. Vitatoba, and she'd run around. I mean, she'd beat us with all kinds of stuff. My, that's my next-door neighbor. I think she beat me just because I was Catholic. She was Baptist or half-Baptist. <laughs> she was Baptist, but, but not all the way Baptist. Southern Baptist. I, I don't know. They, that would make you think it's the Bible Belt and it's a better Baptist, but it's really not. But, I mean, she used to beat us, do all kinds of stuff. But somehow she and her husband instilled in me some things about the Word of God. Uh, and when I heard that she passed away, I went down to the funeral, and, and her kids looked at me like, why in the world would you drive all the way down there? And I went up and said, hey, I'd like to give a testimony. I went up, and, and the, the funeral director said, well, you're going to have to go talk to the preacher over here to see if he'll let you in or if they'll let you in. So I woke up to the guy, and I didn't realize it was Church of God or Church of Christ, and it was a female preacher. <laughs> so I'm talking to the guy, and he goes, oh, you got to talk to my wife. What a sad thing, man. That, I mean, I'm like, that just don't even sound right. But I will, hey, I said, you know, you do all things. So I look at her and say, hey, can I say something? She said, well, let me talk to the family. And when they heard it was me, they said, yeah, let him say it. And I thanked him in front of everybody. Boy, you're talking about a Southern Baptist preacher getting mad because he thought that they weren't the greatest Christians in his family or in his church, big old church. 
I said, but that lady right there and her husband, if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't be here today. I said, got a little church that I'm in Dayton, Ohio. Got a few people coming to church. And I said, these people right here took me and cared for me when I wasn't worth shooting. And they loved me and they cared for me and fed me and did all kinds of stuff and took me places. And I was more trouble to them than anybody else. But you know what? They cared. Jeannie got off out of She got onto heaven. And one of these days, I'll get up there and the Lord will say, Jeannie, there's one of yours. There's part of You get a piece of that. It may not be much. I'll come in here like, a, like an ear or... <laughs> You ever heard that where he takes a piece of an ear out of the lion's mouth, whatever? But he says, are not even ye. You guys, man, I tell you, you know what my joy really is? It's sitting back here in the back listening to y'all sing on Sunday morning. Because I remember when I was by myself. I remember out there in the middle of the ocean, all by myself. And nobody loved Jesus Christ. Nobody wanted to do anything for the Lord. And I'm sitting out there thinking I'm in the wrong place. I should be back at church in Norfolk. And the Lord goes, no, you need to be right out here. You need to be on this ship in the middle of the ocean right here is where you need to be. And you need to shine like a light bulb. I said, Lord, don't know how to shine. He goes, watch, I'm going to show you. Tribulation and the pain and agony comes in there. And people watch you. I've had a captain say, Mike, we've dumped on you and dumped on you and dumped on you and dumped on you. And you should have quit. And you got better. That's where it comes out. See, you don't think that. But the Lord knows. He knows how to polish those jewels, man. To get, and people start reacting to that. We don't see it, brother. And you know what you got to do is somehow keep that joy in your life and not quit. Never lose it. Never lose it. For ye are our joy. Matthew. With that said, go to Matthew real quick. I mean, I'll hit two or three verses and I'll stop. Lord starts talking about some of this stuff. Matthew 22. Lord all the way through here tries to tell you. He, he comes. I think he cheated us. He only came down here and he, he kept quiet for 30 years, got in the ministry for three and then quit. He, he finished and left. He asked us to stay in for 40, 50 years. I'm like, it just doesn't seem fair to me. I mean, maybe we got to do that much just to get, get uh, where we need to be in heaven. I have no idea. But man, I'm telling you. I'm like, Lord, it would be nice if we only had to do two or three years and then you send us home. But you know what? It takes a lifetime to change. You can't do it overnight. Matthew 22. Christ said this, and these are all good verses. You already know them all, every single one of them. 22, 2236. Jesus says, Master, which is a, a man came to him. Go back to verse 34. But when a Pharisee had heard, that's a religious man who came up who thought he knew some stuff. He said, but when a Pharisee, that was Paul before he got knocked down on the road to Damascus. That wasn't Paul here, but I mean, that's, he was a Pharisee. But when a Pharisee had heard that he had done that he had put the Sadducees to silence. Uh, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, what's your motive? When you go up and ask somebody something, are you asking them to, to just to prove you right and them wrong? What's, what's the purpose behind the question you're getting ready to ask? You ever thought about that? You may know. You may actually know more than the person teaching you or around you saying something. But what is your purpose? I like Priscilla and Aquila, man. When you get in there, the guy come up and he's preaching John's baptism. He didn't know, but he was doing the best he could. He went off to the side and Priscilla and Aquila got him outside and taught him more perfectly. Boy, you know what happened? That guy got lit up and he shot out of there and started talking about Jesus Christ. 
He didn't get offended, didn't get upset, didn't get, he got right and went on and did the right thing. He was doing right up to that point. You know what the Lord did? Put him with a lady and a man that wasn't a leader in a church. They were just good Christian family, and they took care of some things. They was taking care of Paul, and they did what they were supposed to do, and Paul mentions them all through the Bible. But he goes on right here, 36. He goes, then one of them, which was a lawyer, 35, asked him a question, tempting him, saying, Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Thinking he's got him. Jesus said, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And I'm telling you, man, you got to stop and read this thing. Is this you? This will tell you what kind of motive you got. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. That's a rough thing. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Oh, that's rough. What else you got inside this heart that man's stealing some of that space from Jesus Christ? You know what he wants is all of it. He don't want a piece of it. You can't divide it in a pie section and give it to him. You can't do it. No, he wants it all. Why? He goes, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all. That's the Lord Jesus Christ saying that, by the way. This is the first and great commandment. Well, you want the second one? The second one is, is like unto it. This one he's getting ready to give you is just like this one right here. If you love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, you, if you can do that, this one is just like it. And he goes, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I don't know about you, but I definitely would not want to go to hell. I definitely would not want to spend one moment in hell. Catholics have a place called purgatory. I wouldn't want to be in purgatory. I don't understand why they want to go to purgatory. Why would you want to go to a place that's, that's suffering and painful and agony and know it because they know hell's they think is worse than purgatory. I wouldn't want either one of them. You know what I'd want? I'd want to go to... God never sends anybody to hell because of them. They don't receive what... It's not because of what they do. See, we look at people and say, oh, well, this person does this, and this person does that. God don't send nobody to hell for being a queer. He don't send them to hell for being a drunkard. He sends them to hell because they reject Jesus Christ. That's why they go to hell. You know what God can do? He can forgive a drunkard. He can, for, he can forgive any adulterer. He can forgive a thief. He can forgive anybody. But you got to ask. The problem is, is we don't ask. You know what? We, we sit there and look at people sometimes, and we look at their condition, and we want to judge them on their condition. It has nothing to do with their condition. It has to do with what they did with Jesus Christ. Now, I say all that to tell you this. You know where you get your joy? Is when you ever get to a place like that right there. And you say, Lord, I want to love you with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind. I want to love you. He says, I'm going to show you how to do it. How? Love your neighbor. Oh, but Lord, you know what they did to me last week? As a matter of fact, you know what I did to them? Boy, and I was talking to that, that young man called me. He sent me that text. It was, a, it was a Facebook thing. Beth told me not to send anything back. And I said, no. I said, I need to send him something back. I need to, if, I need to just... A soft answer, turn away the wrath. I, I just need to send him something back. And I started th thinking about that thing for a second. I said, he perceives something that isn't true, but he doesn't know it. To him, to him, it's true. Brother, there's so many people in this world that they just, they just live in the, the world they live in, and they don't know nothing else. And the Lord says, but you know me. If you know me, and you love me like you said, can't you... Present that love to somebody else? That's love, man. I'm telling you what, that's joy. Because all of a sudden you feel like you've done something for him. You may not see a response. You aren't, it's not no guarantee that you'll ever see a response. 
but you do it anyways. You go out and tell people about Jesus. Why? Because they need to hear about him. They need to know about him. I'm going to get, I'm going to get, I'm going to get tracks in those two people's hands. I've got them on, I know where they're at, roughly, and I will get a track in their hands. I am not going, I am not, not going to give them a track. They're going to get a track. If I, it takes me the rest of my life to find them, one of them I know right where they're at, but if it takes me the rest of my life, I am going to get a track in those hands. Because the Lord showed me something today. He goes, you don't know, you, you wasted an opportunity. You say, well, what does that matter? Well, I might get to the judgment seat one day, and the Lord said, you cared more about that computer than you did those souls. Let me ask you a question. What do you care about today? The Lord says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. It's, it, there's nothing greater than that. He said all the, all the law and the prophets hang on those two things. It's not doctrine. It, it is doctrine. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like we, we, if all we're learning is stuff that we could just blast people with, then what good is it? The book was written, he says, lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written to me. This thing is Jesus Christ in print. He knows the whole thing from the end to the beginning. And yet he, he just, just oozed love out to us. Why don't we do that? The left and right wing emphasis in America today. We've got two, two churches. We got, it's, a, it's a hard place to get somebody in the middle here. But we'll, we'll slam Joel Osteen. And we'll, we'll slam some of these other people all the time. But we're, no, we're on this other side over here. Uh, the first is, is that soul winning. Soul winning is not the primary thing. It is learning your Bible and knowing how to, how to, how to use this thing the right way. It's a sharp, it's a two-edged sword. That thing can cut both ways. It's learning this thing and understanding. If you don't understand this book and how to use it, then you're missing the whole thing. You've got to understand this first. But it isn't just... Understanding this and regurgitating it to hurt people, it's to win them. That's what Jesus Christ did. He used it to win them. Doing the right thing, Bob Jones Sr. said this, doing the right thing is the main thing. It's never right to get a chance, uh, it's never right to do wrong to get a chance to do right. It never is. Right is right. You can't do anything but right. You got to do right. God, I got a little note here. God will do nothing wrong to get you saved. If you're in there night and you're saved, he didn't do anything wrong to get you saved. He did everything right. You may have done everything wrong not to get saved, and then eventually you couldn't fight it any longer and you got saved. That's what I did. I got to a point where it's over. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. There is no hope. Any, outside of you, there is no hope, and you're getting a bad deal with me. <laughs> That's what I told him in 22 years old. I said, you're getting it wrong. You're messing up, but I'm glad you're messing up because it's good for me. I like a good deal, man. I don't know about you, but I love good deals. God will do nothing wrong to get you saved, and God will do nothing wrong to get any, anybody else saved. If you think you can go out and do the wrong thing to get somebody saved, it won't happen. You know what God wants us to do is he told that lawyer, he said, thou shalt love. That's me. He's really talking to me. He says, Mike, do you love me with all your heart and soul and mind? And Mike, do you love me? Then why do you do the things you do? I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm a mess. Boy, I'm sure glad we got 1 John over there, chapter 1, verse 10, 8, 9, and 10. We can spot idolaters easy. I got a little note here. <laughs> the authority of the word of God doesn't matter to them. It does to me. That book is the, is the key to my life right here, this thing right here. It's the key. 
I like right here where I'm reading in Matthew over on chapter 23. I like it. But woe, woe unto you, 15, woe unto you, 16, woe unto you. Ah, Jesus is a woer. He's like, whoa, you know what you tell horses? Whoa, you stop, man. You know what he's trying to do is get your attention. You know what we need to do is go out and tell some of this world about what Jesus did. They all forget that all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable. It's profitable. We forget that that's what does it. Brethren, it is not, it is not a method. We have done methods after method after method after pro- People come in here and say, well, what programs have you got for the kids? Bible. We don't have nothing but the Bible. We may break off and they got little Awanas up there and it's all about the Bible and they use that to get them and to work with them and, and that's just what they call it, but it's a Bible. It's the Word of God. That's what you use to win them. That's what you use to keep them. And then if God calls them out, that's what God uses to move them. It isn't anything we do. If we do it, we're doing the wrong thing. He said, the other end of the spectrum is we have teaching that all you have to do is just study the Word of God doctrinally. And that's not true. I've seen people who could quote Scripture after Scripture after Scripture, and they would hurt people left and right because they they never understood how to use it. You got to use the thing. I like Bob Jones saying, a cool head and a warm heart. I thought about that when my nephew called. He was my nephew. He's best best nephew, but he's I guess him now I'm his, I'm his, he's my nephew-in-law. And I thought about that young man. I said, you know, he's hurt. He's hurt. And I can sit there and blast him and just go on and destroy any chance possibility of ever helping that kid. Or he's a couple years older than Andrew. I think a year or two older than Andrew. I said, or I could say something nice and say, hey, look, if you ever want to talk, leave the door open for him. What is it to me anyways? It's no skin off my back. He, he, he can't hurt me. Why don't I just love him and care for him? Maybe what he needs to do is see somebody actually cares. He's always heard the wrong thing. Maybe, just maybe, I like the way Bob Jones said that, a cool head and a warm heart. You know what people need to see today is that. They see everything but that. The warm heart is for soul winning. The cool head is doctrine. you got to have that thing up here in your mind. This book needs to be right there the best you can. I read my Bible. I, I read it today. I'm like, Lord, I don't know if I understood anything I read all day. And it seems like as soon as I read it, I forget it. Have you ever read your Bible and the thing just go away from you as fast as you get it? It doesn't matter how much you read. I, I heard an old missionary one time. He was down in Africa or in South America. And, and people looked at him really strange, but he read one or two verses. And he said, if I get my one or two verses in a day, he said, I, I'm doing good. And people, oh, you're supposed to read 20 chapters a day. Well, you know, I, I don't know if God so loved the world that he gave his only. If you got one or two verses down in your mind and you can sit there and quote them over, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Man, these little girls up here are putting us all to shame. You know that, right? They're all quoting these verses up here, and, and we got all these Bible scholars in here, and nobody can quote a verse. I mean, have you thought about maybe between now and next Wednesday is like learning a verse? Just one? So that you can come in here. If everybody in here raised their hand up, you know what it would do for the song leader up here? If everybody choose me, pick me, pick me, and not Jesus wept either. Pick me, pick me. Some of y'all got good, clean minds. You could quote half a chapter. Don't do that on a Wednesday night, but you could, you could. There has to be both. You have to have both of them, brethren, both of them. And that's where the joy comes in. You know what, when Paul said over there, I'll, I'll stop right here because it's already 801 and we need to get to some prayer. He, when he said over there, he says, but brethren, 
But we, 1 Thessalonians 2.17, but we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence. He says, I, I have to go, man. I got to go tell some other people about Jesus. But I'm coming back. I'm coming back to see you guys. Not in heart. You're here. You're with me all the time. Let me ask a question. When was the, who, how many people you got in your heart? Not, not because of some fleshly, stupid, worldly thing, man. But how many people you got in your heart because you love to be around them? You love them because you're your brother and sister. They're your hope. They're your joy. I mean, I, I got my grandkids come up. They're my joy. They're, they're little kids, man. You know what they're looking for? All these little kids in here, you know what they're looking at us for? Hope. First, they're scared of us. Wally's scared to death of me. Uh, Riley, I don't know about Riley. I mean, she's just like, you can't really tell. But you know what? I don't want them to grow up and say, well, my, my papa was a preacher and I don't want nothing to do with church. I don't want them to say, well, so-and-so was in church. You know, I had somebody tell me the other day, well, I won't go to church because so-and-so was there. Tell me this one. I'm like, that's right where you need to be, man. You come in, you might actually get right, and you two get along together. Oh, no, that will never happen. No, you just won't give God the glory, man. You won't even give him the chance. He says, but more abundantly to see your face with great desire. Do you really want to see people? I want to see people. You know what I'd love to do? I'd love to see this church full of people. Not just a fill it full of people. But people that, what is, what is, if we fill this up 300 to, to 8 billion, what is 300 to 8 billion? Nothing. Brother, that ain't that even on a, a meter. That's not even on a scale. That is such a small, minute amount of people compared. But boy, could you imagine getting, a, when y'all sing on Sunday morning, when we get a few more people in there, what a blessing that is, man. Y'all go in the back, back there and listen. It, it's just unbelievable. Here it's unbelievable, too, because you get to hear it. It's fun. You ought to take song lead and get up here and song lead sometime. It'll wear you out. It wears me out. But it's fun, especially when you guys get into it. I can't tell you how, how blessed it is. Wherefore, we would have come into you, even I, Paul, once again, but Satan hindered us. You've got to remember that the devil's always trying to stop you. He's trying to rob you of your joy, and you can't let him rob you of your joy. Realize on Wednesday night or Thursday night we're going through class and I'm, I'm sitting there telling them how wicked we are. <laughs> I hope I'm not depressing people, but I mean, that's Paul. Paul did that. He didn't depress me, depress me. I like it, man. But he got 14 things there. And, and when he gets done with the 14th thing, he says, and there's no fear of God before their eyes. That's the whole 13 gets you right to that one. There's your problem with the whole thing. It proves that Gentiles and Jews are all a mess. And there's no hope outside of Jesus Christ. That ought to put a smile on your face, especially if you got Jesus Christ. Because now all of a sudden you realize that that man came and lived, that the Lord of Lords, King of Kings, came and lived and died at Calvary. And he says over in Hebrews, for the joy that was set before him. You know what that was? That was me. In heaven, he's going to watch me come in, and he's going to get joy in that. He's going to watch you come in, he's going to get joy in that. Because of what he did at Calvary, he's, the joy is now constantly going to be coming in heaven every time. Every time a soul gets saved, it isn't that you just get rewards. It's that another one is in heaven for all eternity, and you're giving joy to the Lord. You know what you need tonight? Some joy. This world will steal your joy. Don't let it steal your joy. Find a way. You say, well, I don't like reading. Well, make yourself read it. You say, I tell you what, if you think you're going to go read your Bible and you're just going to do it, uh, I think you're sadly mistaken. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to feel like reading 100 chapters. I don't think that'll happen. If it does, praise God, hallelujah. It's never happened for me. You know what I got to do? I got to go read my Bible. Call it my chart. 
I've got to read this much. Uh, oh, Psalm 119's there this morning. I've got to read Psalm 91, all of it, 178 verses. You know, I used to think that that was just a drudgery. I actually like it now because I read Psalm 17, 117, 18, and I get warmed up before I get to 19. <laughs> and it's, it's great, man. You start, Ezekiel, I like Ezekiel, man. I like Jeremiah. I read Lamentations Day and was depressed. <laughs> I mean, you sit there and look at it and say, man, you get out and here's Ezekiel laying on his side for 390 days this side and 40 days on the other side and, and eating uh, bread and, and using cow dung. To, I mean, you ever never had to take cow dung and make your bread? And he's got to have a smile on his face the whole time and enjoy. And the Lord sits there and does that stuff and, and over and over again. I look back all that stuff down through history and I'm saying, here I am, Lord, today and now it's my turn. And I said, I need to come through this thing with joy and I can't let the devil steal. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Just a short little message, Lord. But Lord, uh, Paul warned us that Satan was going to try to stop us and hinder us. And, Lord, we need to keep in our mind what we're here. What is our motive or what is our motivation in what we're doing? Lord, my, mine should be to serve you and love you with all my heart and then love my brother the same. And, Lord, I know that's hard and difficult in our lives because each and every one of us live in different parts of the world and different parts of the city and country. And, and Lord, we, we just were raised different. Uh, but, Lord, it doesn't really matter what, what you said is true. We need to learn how to change and become more like you and retain our joy and happiness, Lord. Our hope, our hope is in you but it's also going to be in the, the fruit that comes into heaven with us, Lord. Thank you for letting us just be in the ministry, Lord. Uh, each and every one of us in this room tonight are in the ministry. Uh, Lord, we may not all preach, we may not all teach, Lord, but we still all have the opportunity to go out and win souls and tell, tell them about you and what great things you have done for us. Lord, if we could just go out and tell them what great things you did for us, like the, the maniac of Gadara, Lord, we could change a whole country. Uh, again, Lord, thank you for letting us be here tonight. Blessed now as we go into prayer. And we'll praise you and honor you in Jesus' precious holy name. Amen.